Last week, Travis ministered. And uh, the week before that, we were in Ephesians chapter 2. I know you remember that. But just in case you don't remember, let's pick up uh, where we left off. And we'll read again and run into it. Uh, It says in verse 12 of Ephesians 2. So, y'all, I'm not starting where I said I was going to start. This is where I'm starting. That at the time you were without Christ. So it's talking about before Jesus, before you were born again, you were an alien. Well, that doesn't sound nice. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God. So when we were not born again, we had no hope. What is hope? Hope is an expectation. Hope, really a Bible definition of hope is joyful, confident expectation. The reason that people are not, who are not born again, who don't know Jesus, the reason they're so crazy right now, the reason they're all up in arms right now is because they are hopeless. They don't know what their tomorrow holds. You and I are cool. You and I are at ease. Because we know if all this comes to an end, we know exactly where we're going and when we're going. We're not getting up any loads tonight, but the truth, but I mean that you live that way. You, you have a, a joyful, confident hope and expectation. And so that's the difference between us and them. And the only way you can live this way that we're going to talk about tonight is to know Jesus. And it's really important in these last days. Because in the last days, well, since we're not, we're, see, anyway, we're already going somewhere else. Hallelujah. In these last days, the, Jesus said there would be wars. Are there any? Are there more now? I don't know if there's more now, but they seem to be bigger and getting bigger. Wars, rumors of wars, plagues, COVID, famine, earthquakes. You follow that and the graph of how many earthquakes that are happening now, even in the time where they could tell, is just going up and up and up, you know. Well, what's the deal? Well, And you know what? You can't pray those things away because Jesus said they would happen. They just don't have to affect you because you know, all right. So none of that stuff moves you. No, no, that's too weak. We're like the Apostle Paul. None of that stuff moves me. So I'm not moved by the news reports. I'm not moved by what's going on. I'm not moved. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were made far off, who are far off, are made near. So we were far off. We were, we were aliens, but now we got washed in the blood. Amen. Are you washed in the blood? We, be, we, brought, we were brought near. In other words, we got into a covenant because of the blood of Jesus. For he is our peace who has made both one and broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, so there was enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance, for to make himself of twain one new man, he made peace. So that's what we talked about last week. And just to remind you that Jesus, God is not mad at you. The Father and us, we're at peace. Why? Because of Jesus. So, you know, sermons like, uh, you know, just that God's out to get you. I, growing up, I always believed God had a fly swatter in one hand and a bat in the other, and he was always angry with me, and there's nothing I could ever do to please him. But God is not angry, and he's never been an angry God. You know, we've been studying that on Sunday mornings. God's always been a good, uh, peaceful, loving God, but sin has always called out for judgment. 
And now that Jesus has taken all that judgment, we don't have to have that. Are you grateful for that? He abolished in his flesh the enmity, and so he made peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And he came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and them that were near. For through him we have access by one spirit unto the Father. Therefore you are no more a stranger. You're not a foreigner, but you're a fellow citizen. You're an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, I keep talking about that. Joint means co-equal. It doesn't mean you get a little bit, I get a little bit, we get a little, little, you know. No, it's everything the Lord has is ours. That's what joint means. So I'm going to remind you more time. Ollie and I are now brothers. Our daddy went home. He left us five cars. Ollie does not have two and a half, and I have two and a half. We have five cars. And I get the one I want on Friday. Mm. If, if daddy left us three houses, he doesn't have a house and a half and I have a house and a half. We together have three houses. Our daddy was a billionaire. So we have a billion dollars together, not 500, 000, not 500 million each. We have it together. So see, sometimes when you think about that, you think I've got a little bit, you've got a little bit. But Jesus said, everything the Father has is mine, and I give it to you. You are an heir. Everybody say, I'm an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is too good to be true. But it is true. It's the word. All right. So we looked about that. And so I want to pick up here. Um, Let's look at Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Just to remind you, we're going to look at the Amplified Classic. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, our weaknesses and distresses. Aren't you glad he did? He carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. He carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. The Lord's not out to punish any of you. He's not out to punish me. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted to God as with leprosy. But he has borne our griefs. He, he, he carried it. And then it says, but he is wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement. So he was wounded for transgressions. So these are all separate. He was, I don't have time. But he was wounded for your transgressions of the law, of sin. He was bruised for your guilt. So any guilt you have, there, he took the bruise for that, uh, for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement. So when Jesus was chastised, when he was beaten with rods and, a sh and the cat of nine tails, the chastisement, he took it needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was on him. And with his stripes, those, the cat of nine tails of stripes, you were physically healed and made whole. So there are four major things in this scripture, but we're just looking at one. The chastisement needful for you to obtain peace with Father God, the, the peace that you walk in. So remember, we talked about there's two kinds of peace. Peace with God, and you can only get that because of Jesus and being born again. You know, back in the olden days, they used to say this. I've heard people say this that I grew up. They, they said before they died, they made their peace with God. Well, you shouldn't wait to the deathbed to make your peace. You ought to make your peace about four years old. What is what what I mean? You ought to get born. What they're saying is they got born again. And really, though, there was some truth in it. 
They made their peace. In other words, Jesus became their peace. I recognize you as Savior. I take you as Lord of my life. I believe you were raised from the dead. And now I have peace with God. Now I'm in covenant with God. There's no enmity. And remember, God doesn't send anybody to hell. People go to hell because they reject the Lord. You understand that? So don't you leave letting everybody say God sent people to hell. He's never sent anybody to hell. Hell was not made for men, but people who reject Jesus, that's where they go. And that's why there's peace. Are you grateful for peace? Thank God we made peace. So we have peace. So that's, I said it this way. So the first peace, and we talked about last time, we're going to get into this. We've got to keep, get moving. Is that if you don't have, haven't made peace with God, you can never walk in the peace of God. It's two kind of peace. If you look in uh, Ephesians 6, which one day I guess we'll get there, maybe the end of the year, um, we will talk about the, um, the armor of God. One of the armors is the shoes of peace. Y'all remember that? Uh, Ephesians 6, shoes of peace. I like Rick Renner's book, um, um, uh, Dress to Kill. It's my favorite book. I told him last time he was here. Um, it's still my favorite book. You can write 30 of them, but it's still going to be my favorite. And he does write. I think he did write 30 this year already. Um, but, um, uh, but in there, I never saw anybody else bring it out. He's like the shoes. Uh, people just think of shoes. You know, you think of even military shoes. You don't think much of them. But he talks about how they're two parts. Just like peace is two parts. And so one of the parts you know, it's from the knees down, but they can also be used as a weapon, and we're going to look into that. I think we touched it a little bit last time. But so there's two parts of peace, peace with God and the peace of God. And so I wanted to read you these scriptures um, because today a lot of people are not walking in the peace that God has for them. And, and even if you know you've made your peace with God, there's so much turmoil. Listen to me. I don't like to hang out with chaos. I can't stand it. And neither can God. He's not a God of chaos. He's a God of peace. And people who make drama all the time, you don't get to hang with me. I don't do drama. We've never done drama at our house. We don't do drama. We are drama-free. My staff is drama-free. I try to keep this church drama-free. You can have drama at work and drama in your house if you want to, but don't bring it into here because <clears throat> we don't do drama. You know what I mean? That's modern. Uh, chaos. Anytime you see chaos, you should think devil. Anytime you see chaos, you should think devil. He's the author of chaos because he's the author of confusion. Jesus paid a high price for you to walk in peace with God and obtain peace. And how do you get that? One of the things you have to do is I'm not going to teach you a lot of righteousness tonight. But if you don't have an understanding of your right place in God and your righteousness, you won't be able to walk in peace. And I'm trying to get you to be able to walk in peace tonight. So let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Amplified Classic. Therefore, since we are justified, uh, justified, never done anything wrong because of the blood of Jesus, acquitted, declared righteous, and given right standing with God. So are you, have you been born again? Are you justified? Then you've been acquitted, 
of all your sins. You've been declared righteous by God, and you've been given right standing with God. You are no longer a sinner. You are a saint. You are righteous. And how would you get there? Through faith. How? By believing in the Lord Jesus. Let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So it's saying if you've been born again and you're justified and you're righteous and you're acquitted, then you should hold on to and enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. James 3.18, Amplified Classic. It says, and the harvest of righteousness. So how many know, are you righteous? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You all know that, but let's say it again. Say, uh, because I'm born again, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't ever, don't leave off the in Christ. Because you're not righteous in yourself. You're righteous because of the blood. You're righteous because you're in Christ. All right? And so... And the harvest of righteousness, so there's a harvest. So if you're righteous, then you should expect a harvest. What is the harvest? Of conformity to God's will and thought and deed. So because I'm righteous, I think like God. I conform to his thoughts. I conform to his deed. You know, it's not true anymore that you can't know his thoughts. You can't know his ways. He has revealed them to you and I by his spirit. They may not have known them all in the old covenant, but we're not in the old covenant anymore. The fruit of the, uh, is the, uh, thought and deed is the fruit of seed sown in peace. It's sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace, which means concord, agreement, and harmony between individuals and undisturbedness. Oh, I love undisturbedness. In a peaceful mind free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. So the more I understand I'm righteous, there's a freedom from fear. There's a freedom from agitating passions. And moral conflicts. So the more I understand I'm righteous, the more I confess my righteousness, the more peace I can walk in. And so righteousness and peace have a lot to do with one another. Just to, to, to finish it out, Isaiah 32, 17, again in the Amplified Classic. And the effects of righteousness, so this is Isaiah prophesying forward about you and me. The effect of righteousness will be peace, internal and external. And the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. Can you see this righteousness just um, brings peace. It brings you steadiness. It, brings, it gets rid of agitation. It gets rid of drama. It gets rid of personal insight. It should get rid of insight. Anytime you're having an inside conflict, get back to confessing about your righteousness. Get back to understanding what the Lord has done for you. You are justified. You are righteous. And when that righteousness, when you meditate on your righteousness, then that peace comes that, uh, of who you are in Christ Jesus. So it, number one, you got to have peace uh, with God. So you got peace with God? Amen. Everybody at peace with God? Amen. Hallelujah. If you're watching and you don't have peace with God, it's simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you got to believe is Jesus is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead. Believe that in your heart. Confess that with your mouth and you will be born again. And you will instantaneously be a new creature in Christ Jesus. And so now since we see the peace of God, the peace with God now leads to the peace of God. So now that's where I want to camp a little bit as we look the rest of the night. So let's look at Ephesians 2.14 again. He is our peace. He is our peace. So anytime that we don't have peace... What do we begin to think? Jesus, 
Father, you are my peace. He is peace. Who has made both one and broken down the wall. And then let's look at verse 15. It says in the end, for to make himself of twain of one new man, so making peace. And then verse 17, so after he made peace with God, then this is what I want to get to. And he came and preached peace to you. And he's still preaching peace to you. He's just doing it through the word and through other people. But he's still preaching peace to you. What are you and I supposed to be walking in? Peace. How should we live in our life? It should be full of. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. We should have lots of peace. You and I should not be like the world who are confused and messed up and always on edge and always criticizing and always complaining and always at their wit's end. Even in the middle of problems in our life, we have the Prince of Peace. We have the spirit of peace. We have been given peace, and we need to walk in our shoes of peace. And he, so Jesus came and preached peace to us. So let's look at uh, so Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. I guess we'll do this one out of the King James. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. The government shall be on his shoulders. And, he shall, uh, and his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting God, Father, the Prince of Peace. Everybody say, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. He's the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. There's no end to his peace. There's no end to his peace. Listen to me. I know you've heard these things before. Um, I use this a lot when I, uh, we have a, a celebration of someone going to heaven. I usually minister peace to the family. But peace is not just an eh topic. Peace is not just something that, yeah, I would sure like some peace. If you could bottle that peace and sell it, you'd be a millionaire. No, this is something you and I should be walking in every day. This is something you and I should be walking. There is no end to his peace. There's no end to his peace. So he has peace for you. And so I'm believing right now for you and for me that as I minister this to you, the Prince of Peace manifests in this room. And if you've got any situations, if you've got something that's causing you turmoil, if you've got some drama in your home, if you've got some drama with your children, if you've got some, then let the Prince of Peace, because as he come and manifest, the Prince of Peace will also tell you what to do about the situation. To make it, to, to line up with what you're believing. Amen. Let's go on. Let's look at John 14, 27. So Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave you. Peace, I leave you. My peace, not just any old peace. The peace that he walked in on the earth. The peace that he used as he carried his cross to Calvary. The peace that he used when he was dealing with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And the crazy ease. That peace. My peace, there you go, right there, my peace, I give you. Why do you say not as the world gives? Because their idea of peace is perfect circumstances. 
well, you know, uh, if we're going to really do well in this country, we've got to have a perfect government. We've got to have a perfect economy. I've got to have a perfect job. I've got to have a perfect wife. And my teenagers have got to be perfect. And my toddler has to be perfect. And um, my dog has to be perfect. And barking, no barking at cars and sit on command. Uh, my yard has to be perfect. My car. Those are all circumstances. And if you're waiting until all your circumstances get all lined up, you will never walk in the peace of God. Because it's not based on what you see. It's an inward thing. And then as that, you have that peace. As you, because see, in the world, in order for them to be okay, everything has to be okay the way they think it ought to be okay. But see, if you're that way, as a born-again believer, if you're agitated, if Facebook reading something agitates and irritates you, somebody's Twitter account irritates you, I mean, you're always, I see this in the body of Christ right now, everybody's like this. That is not God. It's not. I don't care if it comes out of a preacher. It's not God. That is not his way. It's not his way. What is his way? Well, he can get a whole lot done. We're going to get to it, but I'll jump to it. I mean, there's a storm all around, and he just speaks peace to it. Come on, we ought to get, we got to, we, let's, he's our example. Let's do what he does. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you one more time. Being irritated and agitated all the time is not of God. And if you are that, you say, well, that's just my personality. I'm a go-getter. No, that's thumos. That's a work of the flesh. It's called anger in the King James, and it's not godly. It's not pretty. Come on, y'all. I'll just get way off. I'll meddle with you. This is Wednesday night. Y'all, y'all ready for meddling. Hallelujah. Come on. You're like me. You don't like to take anyone to dinner who might fly off at the waiter or waitress. You don't like to go shopping with anybody who if they wait 10 deep in line, they start, you know, Screaming out, are you going to hurry up? You know, you know, you, do you like going? You don't. And if you're that person, just look straight ahead. <laughs> what is that? Well, number one, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. But it's thumos. It's, it's anger. They're, they have no peace. They have no peace. They have no peace. Demanding. See, if you're full of peace, you won't be so demanding. It's just my personality. Well, your personality needs to get saved. Come under. How do we get there? Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. Not as the world gives. So in other words, their peace ought to look different than our peace. Because their peace is temporary. Ours is eternal. Ours is not based on circumstances. Ours is not based on a good or bad report. Your faith should not be based on a good or bad report. Not as the world gives, give I you. Let not your heart be troubled. And there it is again. Don't let it be afraid. So it seems as though fear and peace are on opposite ends. But Jesus is saying that you, you can't let fear, you can't be afraid, you can't let that in. How I many you know, number one, it'll, it'll cause you not to be able to walk in faith. You will start walking by sight. Because remember Peter was walking on the water? Everybody remember that? Remember? Jesus, is that you come? He said, it's me, come on. Remember Peter put his, got out in the middle of the storm, walked on the water. And then, what does it say? Seeing the wind boisterous, what happened? 
he became afraid, what happened? He began to sink. So why do you, what, what should he, this is a faith principle, so what should he have been doing? He should have been staying, looking at Jesus, looking at the word, and stayed at peace. Now, I ain't, I ain't messing with Peter. I never walked on no water. And remember, Jesus said, why did you doubt? So he wasn't in unbelief. Unbelief and doubt are, are different. He was in unbelief. What happened? He began to look at the circumstances. He began to like, I've been on ships all my life. I've been out on the water all the time. You can't walk on no water, especially during a storm. Maybe if everything's okay, I could have walked on the water. But what did Jesus say? Why did you doubt? Well, this is the deal. Doubt and fear open the door, and it will mess with your peace. Why do you got to keep yourself at peace? Well, because... Not just because it's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's really also an inward guide. If you're confused all the time, if you're irritated all the time, if you're agitated all, agitated all the time, you can't hear your spirit because it won't be at peace. God leads you by peace. It's very, very important. So Jesus left us his peace. Are you grateful for his peace? John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Everybody say, I have peace. In the world you're going to have what? So everything's not going to be perfect. Everything's not going to be all right all the time. But guess what? What do you say? I know it says there, good cheer. Turn your neighbor and tell them to cheer up. Tell the other one, I said cheer up. <laughs> cheer up. Why do you have to cheer up? Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. So we don't have to, even though there's tribulation, even though there's this report, that report, even though this thing's going on, he said, cheer up. He said, cheer up. Remember uh, when, the, uh, um, when uh, Paul was down in the belly of the ship? Y'all remember that during that storm, which he told him not to go on? And they went anyway, and now things are a mess. And what happens is uh, he's down in the belly of the ship praying. He hears from God. God comes, the Lord comes and speaks to him. And what's the first thing you do when he gets at the top? What's the first thing he says? He doesn't say everything's going to be all right. He doesn't, he doesn't give him instructions. The first thing he tells him to do is cheer up. Some of you might need reminded. Everybody say cheer up. Why? Because when you're cheered up, it's because you believe something. It's not because you've seen something out here. It's because you've seen something in here. You've seen something in here and you can cheer up. One of the tools that the devil uses is to keep you depressed, to keep you oppressed, to keep you uh, seeing the problem, to keep you stressed out. Stressed out is not a fruit of the Spirit. Stressed out, doesn't, it, it means you're not in faith. Come on, we can't lie to ourselves when we're not in faith. If you're worried about it, if you're stressed out about it, what is that? Why am, I'm not off topic. That means you are not in peace. You're not at rest. Hebrews talks about faith is a rest. What is that? That means, you know, it, it talks about on the Sabbath, God rested from all his works. That means when you believe something, there is not, it's no longer that today, but what it is is still rest. I'm at peace. I believe God. I have confidence in here. I, I'm not, it, everything may be going crazy out here looking like it's not going to happen, but I have peace on the inside of me. Amen. And Jesus said if you believe that, you'd cheer up. Well, I don't feel like cheering up. I didn't tell you to feel it. I, the word said do it. So let's do it. No, I said let's do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, at least put a smile on your face. Come on, you're here on a Wednesday night. 
Hallelujah. Everything's going to be all right. Say it by confession. Say, I, I am cheered up. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus overcame the world. Not because I see something change, because I believe something will change as I do what the Word of God says. I am full of cheer. I am full of joy. Hallelujah. It has to do with peace. It's all peace and joy go hand in hand. Fear is your enemy. Worry is your enemy. Doubt is your enemy. What's the devil always doing? He's trying to get you to consider something. You and I are always considering something. We're either considering our body, we're considering our checkbook, we're considering our job, we're looking at our kids, we're, con- we're looking at our marriage, we're looking at this, we're looking at that. We're always considering something. But you need to consider God first. Amen. Consider him. Remember Abraham and Sarah said they considered not their bodies now dead. So you and I are always considering something. So, hallelujah. Psalms 29, 11. It says, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Thank you, Lord. I receive my blessing of peace. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look at this. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Give me a lot of scripture tonight. But now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. How many times? So on Monday, should you have some peace? On Tuesday, should you have some peace? On Wednesday, should you have some peace? On Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, and Sunday. Don't wait till Sunday to get your peace. Hallelujah. The Lord be with y'all. Now, the, the Lord of peace announces who he is, the Lord of peace. So this is not just something that he's um, halfway passionate about. This is how he announced, I am the Lord of peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and I get, Jesus made peace with the Father for us, and now he wants to give us the very peace that he walked in. I don't know if I'm helping you tonight, but I'm doing all right by me. Hallelujah. I'm going to be walking in some more peace. Hallelujah. Because everybody needs this right now. Everybody needs this right now. Thank God for the peace of God. He's with us, and he's given us, and he's granting us his peace. So how do we, uh, how do we, because um, how many know there's God's side? He said he's the, he is peace, and he blesses you with peace. But how many know there's a God's side, and then there's always our side? You know, even everybody wants to confess Deuteronomy 28 and the blessing. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed. And that's all true, but you got to do the first verse. If you hearken diligently. Unto the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, you got to obey. There's God's side. That's done. That's grace. And then through faith, you got to receive your side. So it is by grace God has offered it to you, but you got to, through faith, grab a hold of it. So what, what's our side in this piece? So one of the things that, that I like to talk about or see here is uh, Psalms 119, 165. Great peace. Have they which love the law. So I don't love the law. I don't do the law. You love the word. And Jesus fulfilled the law. And so you love the law. (laughs) The law itself was not bad. It's just that we and ourselves couldn't keep it. Jesus didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. So you can still love it. Well, Psalms doesn't have anything to do with me. That's the Old Testament. It has everything to do with you. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And you should reverence all of the Word of God. So I, everybody say, I love, I love the Word. And how can you tell you love in the Word? How do you do it? And then it goes on to say, and, and what's that next part? 
And how can you tell if you love the law? And conjunction, junction, what's your function? Connecting these two things. I have great peace because I love the law. Stop there. No, you can't stop there. And nothing. See, when you're offended, you lose your peace. Why does the devil work morning, noon, and night to get you into unforgiveness and to be offended? Because he wants you to lose your peace. Well, the devil must understand that peace is pretty powerful. The devil must understand there's something about this peace. Who the, he's the Lord of peace, the prince of peace. There's something about that because the devil is just the opposite. He's full of chaos. He's full of drama. He's full of trauma. He's always messing, and he doesn't want you to have great peace. Maybe if you and I as believers would really start manifesting this peace, maybe we wouldn't have to. I still believe we ought to say and we ought to minister to people. But if you just walk into a room and you've got something that they don't got, peace. Everybody say, I have great peace. I don't believe we could confess uh, over uh, teach par- parents to confess this over, have the, confess this over their children. They have Great peace and undisturbed composure. They're the disciple of the Lord. I don't remember the rest of it. Hallelujah. But close enough. But you have great peace. Are you grateful? So what do I, how, how, what do I got to do, though? If in order to get this great peace, what do I got to do? I got to love the word. If I love the word, I'm going to do the word. How do I know that? Jesus said, if you love me, everybody's going, I love the Lord. I love God. I, I mean... Even, even people in the world who are not born again. I love God. God is love. Jesus preached love, acceptance, and forgiveness. We'll find out soon. Um, what he really preached on Sunday mornings coming up soon. Um, but but what they want to say, God loves me and, and I don't have to do anything. But, that, but, but that's not true. If you really love the Lord, you would do what he said. Jesus said that. He said, if you love me, you'd do what I say. That's what he said. If you really love me. So love is not just lip service. Love is doing something. And God is love. And so if I love the Lord, then I'll do what he says. I'll be a doer of the word. And when I am a doer of the word, according to James 1.22, when I do the word, then what? Then I'll have some peace. I'll have great peace. I'll have great peace. i have great peace. The Lord's peace, the peace Jesus walked in. Now, I just don't think we know or understand that. You need to meditate on it in a while. Lord, show me the peace you walked in. Let, let, let me sense the, I, 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 I want to sense the peace you walked in. I want to know the peace you walked in. How do I get there? I love the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word, and I'm not going to let anything or anyone offend me. Hallelujah. And then what else we got to do? Well, Isaiah 26.3 out of the Amplified Classic says this. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace. How many of you would like some perfect? So there may even, I don't know, this is bringing out, I don't know this, but I don't know if there's degrees of peace, but I want the full, I want the full one. Amen. Guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind. Uh-oh. So I gotta first I gotta do the word. Now I gotta do something with my mind. Yeah. 
What do I got to do? So my mind, both his, both its, I like this, and that's why I do the Amplified Classic. It's inclination and its character is stayed on you. So what do I got to do? If I want perfect peace, I got to keep my mind stayed on the Lord. I got to keep my mind renewed. I got to wash it. How many of you know uh, when you go to work, there's a lot of people who don't uh, think like you think, talk like you talk, believe like you believe, say all kind of things you wouldn't say, um, who try to mess with your peace. So what do you got to do about it? You got to keep your mind stayed on him. How do you do that? You can do it. You can work really well, do your job, everything unto the Lord, and still keep your mind on him. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can. Let him influence everything you do. That's why you do your job, your career, your business. You do it unto the Lord. And But keeping your mind stayed on him. Man, if, if you, you think about it. Um, you know, I know my own mind. Uh, sometimes I can make it go quiet, but most people, they can't. Um, and uh, the thoughts you be thinking, the pictures that be coming, and then the, the, before you know it, you're like, how in the world did I get here? What, how did I think this? How did I get? Your mind is very powerful. Um, imaginations are nothing to be played with. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, talks about casting down in every imagination and high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So this, the mind stuff is really important. And you got to keep your mind. How do you keep your mind stayed on him? Uh, meditating the word, taking a scripture, thinking about it during the day, just thinking about the Lord. Um, Maybe a praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, every once in a while. Something good happens. I mean, things that get you back to thinking on God. While you're in the middle of your engineer stuff. While the middle, you're in the middle of writing million-dollar checks on the arsenal. While you're writing policies. While you're selling a car. While you're uh, cooking somebody's food. While you're uh, watching, you know, taking care of, I guess it's not really watching your children if they're yours. Uh, while you're raising your, I used to try that with Rod. I was like, well, I'll watch Destiny. She's like, there's no watching to it. She's yours. <laughs> you're not watching her. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, um, she made it. Hallelujah, she's alive. Um, but you got to keep your mind on the Lord. you got to keep your mind on him. This is a battle. It's a battle, especially today with so much, that thing in your hand, that thing in my hand, that we're tied to, tethered to, can't live without, have a panic if we leave it somewhere. What did we ever do before that? Probably it was easier to keep our mind on the Lord. I know it's a blessing too. <laughs> At least I can get to where I'm going now. Hallelujah. It's a blessing. Um, but you got to keep your mind on the Lord. This is a fight. This is a fight right here. If you want to walk in peace, this is the fight. You got to keep your mind stayed on him. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
What does it mean? So he's talking to born-again believers to be carnal. What is carnal? Well, to be natural, to be a friend of the world, to still think like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. Uh, remember Paul addressed the Corinthian church. They had the most, most gifts of the Spirit. They were movers and shakers. But he said, I can only address you as mere men. In other words, you're a bunch of carnal folk. And they proved their carnality over and over again. Didn't, they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues more than everybody, more than any church. But he also addressed them as the most carnal church. So just speaking in tongues doesn't make you not carnal. Just make, it makes you speaking in tongues. It won't fix carnality. What fixes carnality is the word going into your mind and you being a doer of the world. Word. So it says here to be carnally minded is death. That's strong. So all the fear, all the nonsense, if you live carnally and your mind is carnal, then it's going to lead to death. But to be spiritually minded, that's us. Right? To be spiritually, what is spiritually minded? The word, minded. Renewed, minded. Think the thoughts of God. Everything is good, lovely, pure. All those things. Right? Taking charge over the uh, imaginations that are in our mind. We're spiritually minded. And so we're word-minded. So when a thought comes, we measure it with the word of God. Is this thought from God? Remember Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged. What's that two-edged? It's distamos. It's two-mouthed. It's a he say, we say. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder between what? Soul, which is what? Let's get rid of the carnality. And spirit, what God wants. Thoughts, what is he talking about there? That's what the world thinks. And the intents of the heart, that's what God thinks. So what do you got to do? In order not to be carnally minded, you got to be spiritually minded, you got to take the word of God to it. And really, you've literally got to fillet it. I like, I like fish filleted. <laughs> I like, I like, so even in your life, you got to flay it. you got to take the word to it. And so we got to keep our mind stayed on him. We'll stay in perfect peace. And we got to know that we got to stay spiritually minded. Mm. Renewing the mind is huge. It's very important. Philippians 4, 7 says this. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts Garrison your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So here it's talking about how then once we attain that peace, then it becomes a garrison. It becomes a guard. It's like, it's like, some, like as we walk with God and we do the word and we love the law and we love the word of God, then that peace comes. And then if we renew our mind and keep renewing our mind and take down imaginations and, 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 and just keep the word of God as our thoughts and we won't be cardly minded, then suddenly peace takes its place. At, our, at the door of our mind and our heart, and it helps get rid of all the nonsense. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. See, we don't have to try to figure everything out anymore. We just know we're in peace, and God's got it. God, it's all going to pass all understanding. It guards your heart. It garrisons your heart. If you study that, it garrisons your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. That's good news. Amen. Then just one couple verses down, Philippians 4, 9. Says this, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. 
So it's back to uh, Paul saying to all of us, say into the Philippian church, uh, what you've seen me do, my example, what you've received from me, from the word of God, what you've heard, what you've seen in me, do it. And when you do it, the peace of God will be with you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And then uh, Colossians 3.15. Just going through some things that I see in the word of God concerning peace that you and I need to understand so that we can walk in it. And let the peace of God rule. Rule in your hearts. So the peace of God is supposed to take such an ascendancy in our lives that we really shouldn't be fearful, fretful, frowny, (laughs) um, messed up. Now, I know we're all growing in this, and maybe you're just starting, but you you can grow in this and get to the place where you walk in peace, where you live in peace. Peace, where it's really hard for people to mess with your peace. And then once you start walking this peace, you won't let people mess with your peace. Because you'll find out it is a peaceful, it's a peaceful place. It's, it's a, Pastor Mark, then you're saying that I should never deal with any problems. No, you're going to have to deal with problems. I'm not talking about putting your head in the sand and, and just they'll all go away. It's just how you deal is different. Just how you deal is different. You know, I told you this before, and it is the truth, and it's one of the greatest things the Holy Ghost ever taught Pastor Ron and I. You know, when we first started out pastoring, I didn't know what it was to be a pastor. Uh, she grew up in a pastor's home, but uh, she didn't exactly learn everything she needed to learn there. Uh, and so when we got together, and, you know, as the church, things happen. Um, you know, we've had people get in car accidents and get bad reports and, be in an emergency room, be in the ICU, uh, calamity happened. And so, especially when we were young, we're thinking, dear me. Because kind of like, you know, when you go to a funeral, you think, what am I supposed to say? And that's not just you, that's everybody. And the best thing you can do is just go be there. Don't say much. Anyway, that will keep you out of trouble. And then so when you go into this, where we're going into, we always pray as we went. We would pray. Lord, when we walk in the room, let the peace of God walk in there. And no matter what's going on, we're carriers of the peace. And when we walk in the room, we expect your peace to manifest. When we walk into the house, when we get to the accident, when we this, we, that's how we would pray. And you know what? We didn't used to tell people that, but we had so many testimonies of when you showed up. It's not about what we had to say. It's about what we had to bring. You can bring him to work. You can take him home tonight to your house. You can take him home to your teenager's bedroom. Hopefully most of them are at camp. Hallelujah. But whatever it is you got to do, peace, peace. And you let that, you walk in that peace and then you let it rule in your heart. And like I said before, when you have that kind of peace, you'll make good quality decisions in your life. Because you're not basing them, you're not basing decisions on life based on circumstances. Well, I should, you know, feeling pressure. I gotta take this job. I gotta buy this house. I gotta move here. I gotta do this. I gotta do that. Uh, you know, that you won't have pressure. You're led by peace. You're led by peace. I wish I'd have brought got some more scripture about that, because that just pops up, but you can be led by peace. Just, you know it. You feel peaceful about it. See, 
walking in peace is that then when God manifests or God wants you to take a direction, then that peace will be there to do it. And that's how you're led. You are led by peace. I don't, I look at this situation, I look at this problem, and I can't figure this out, and, and yet I seem like I should do this or do that, and I have peace to do, I only have peace to do this or that, then that's what you should do, whatever that peace is telling you to do. That's what I have peace for. I know um, a lot of things today, you get under a lot of pressure to answer quickly on something, to do this or, you know, do it this way, this way everybody else is doing it. But it, just because everybody else is doing it, because you remember what your mama said? If everybody else was jumping off a cliff, would you? And some of you would. But, but you know what I'm saying? Um, but every, just because somebody made a decision like that, even a godly decision like that, doesn't mean it's your decision. And how do you know? you got to be led by peace. Amen? Let's finish looking at this. I love this scripture. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace... He announces himself, he's the God of peace. Shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Now, some of you have been in Bible Institute back in the day. When I used to teach it, I've let others teach it. I don't know how they teach it now. But I used to camp on this verse. Because there was a time in the King James, I just didn't understand it. Because as far as I'm concerned, the devil's already been defeated. There's no more defeat left. He's totally defeated. Right? He is totally defeated. And so Rick Renner, let me give him some, uh, some props again. Uh, he tears this verse apart. And the Satan under your feet shortly, shortly is a marching term. It's not time. It's a marching term. It's how those Roman soldiers used to march. There's different. Did any of you ever march in the, uh, the band? March in the band? I did for one year. I was terrible. And there was different kind of, our band was cool. We were like state champions and stuff like that. And uh, I was terrible, so they, the state champions wanted me out. And so anyway, um, I was terrible. I was awful. And, um, but there's different kinds of marching styles, you know. There's a one we used to do. I remember this song. We were playing Pagliacci. You ever know, anybody in a musical in here know that song? It's just a cool uh, opera song, Pagliacci. And so we marched with it in like V formations, and we would just take this and we would, and they, they wanted us to stomp and, and have crisp stomps. Well, I was kind of like this, you know, I, I, but, but, but that's what this is. It's a marching term, and it really delivers the shoes of peace. You remember what the Lord said to Satan in the garden? What did he say? He said, you may bruise his heel. But he's, you're, he's going to crush your head. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Uh, we're seated in heavenly places far above where Jesus has crushed the enemy head. And what did it? Isn't it interesting? The God of peace. There's something about you and I maintaining our peace. That will just hack the devil off. Because he's after yours. Because if he can get you confused, if he can get you mad, if he can get you deranged, if he can get you crazy, you'll make very bad decisions. But if you'll sit in your seat that we looked at in Ephesians 1, far above, principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's given a name. 
Ephesians 2, 6, you've been seated in him. And the God of peace, oh, if you can get a hold of peace, will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And then Mark chapter 4, and we'll close. In the middle of the storm, Jesus rose up. I, I finished uh, two weeks ago with this, but I'll finish again because I think you need it again. And he arose, Jesus, and did what? Remember they're saying, don't you care we perish? We're dying up here. Wake up. We're dying up here. He arose. He rebuked the wind. And he said, peace. So peace, then, it will guard your heart and mind. It will lead and guide you. But it's also a weapon. It's also a weapon. Now, I know most people, when they teach on uh, the uh, armor, they, don't, they teach this as, uh, you know, this is not an offensive weapon. This is just, you know, your shoes. It's not that big a deal. You go preach peace. And, and that's right, somewhat. But I believe that it's also, if, we'll get to it because I'll bring it up again because I love it so much. Um, you know, the Roman soldiers, they used to have spikes on the end of their shoes, on the bottom. And those spikes weren't just to get through, you know, the rocks. Those spikes were to finish things off. You know what I mean. They were meant to, they're killer shoes. And so this peace you and I have that Jesus gave us, it's also a weapon. And so when there's stuff around you, when if you feel like things are getting out of control, it'll work on storms. I've used it on storms. It works on tornadoes. I've used it on tornadoes. And that it will. But it will also work in a household. It will work over your child. Now, I don't recommend you go up to your boss and point your finger and say, peace, be still, because you'll probably say, Pastor, that didn't work. I got fired. Um, So I'm not recommending that, but I am recommending that you might in your office take peace, authority, and have some peace in the office. All right. Most of you have heard this funny story before. Now, you know, if it's the Holy Ghost, let it be the Holy Ghost. But don't come tell me you did exactly what I did and it didn't work. Because I remember uh, uh, I really got a hold of this. I, um, I told this and um, I told it. I'm going to tell it again because I think somebody needs to hear it. Um, when I was backslidden away from the Lord, I was very much uh, in a lot of turmoil. My mind was really troubled. Nobody really knew how much. Um, and I couldn't stand to be quiet. So even when I studied when I was in college, I had have to have some noise on. I couldn't just study. I had to have noise. And then when I was in Indianapolis, when I first moved there, I was there by myself. Um, as soon as I got into my apartment, I turned the radio on. That was back in the days of radio. I turned the radio on and the TV at the same time. And then almost just on purpose made some clanging noises as I was making myself dinner. Just could not, I couldn't be alone with myself. Just so it was, it was, it was a lot, and that's really kind of the drive that I came up with in my life to do well in life. I was very driven because I didn't want to ever rest, didn't ever want to just chill, and I still have to work on it. But um, I, I didn't have peace. Now I can tell you that I'm grateful now for the Prince of Peace. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost, my entire life changed. It was so cool 
to go home from work, sit on the sofa, and turn nothing on. And I did it on purpose just to enjoy it. There's peace is amazing. It's amazing. And uh, you and you can have that kind of peace. I didn't have that kind of peace. I got saved, came back to the Lord, got filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, and had that incredible peace in my life. I don't know. If you need that peace, how do you get there? Well, my steps were I got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. Then I started studying the Word. The Word became alive to me. The Prince of Peace began to manifest himself to me. I began to renew my mind. Amen. And still, what I have to do today. We're still all doing it. But you want peace to be the ascendant part of your life. It's how you make decisions. It's how you do well. Amen. It's going to go a little different direction, but I don't know that I'm going to. Let's just do it this way. Uh, everybody stand up. So I don't know what you're going through, if you're going through something. And again, after I'm preaching tonight, don't think, well, I'm going through something. You know, he's going to think I'm carnal. I'm not thinking anything. I'm thinking I taught you the word of God, and now I want you to experience that peace. So first of all, by faith, I want you to cheer up. Cheer up. So everybody put a smile on it. Cheer up. And now as your pastor, I'm going to take authority. I'm going to speak to the storms, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your children, whether it's in your body. This is total everything. And I believe in peace. I believe in the Prince of Peace. And I believe the peace that Jesus left is in this room and ready to manifest for you. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. I'm going to do exactly what Jesus did. So whether it's a natural storm or whether it's a storm in their life, whatever is going on, by the authority given to me by the head of the church, in the name of Jesus, peace be still. Peace. Peace, 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 yeah, peace, peace to their mind, peace to their soul, peace, 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 thank you, Father, for peace, we receive that peace. Now we'll walk in that peace. Huh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, that's interesting. What? Yeah. He just said to me, Shalom. <laughs> it's not something I use very often, but he just said that to me. Shalom. So that's Old Testament. That's their greeting a lot of times. Shalom means peace and prosperity. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom to you. Hallelujah. Peace. Peace. Come on. There you go. So just hands lifted up and say, Father God, I receive peace.